This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, obviously, for those of you who watch it, the Super Bowl itself was a really good game yesterday. The other side to Super Sunday are the ads inside the TV broadcast on NBC. And is the case on the day after the big game, we can look back at which ads were the best ones. And always have uh, great to have with us Patty Williams, uh, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. Hi, Patty. Great to talk to you again. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Overall, how did you think uh, the uh, the ad went? How did they do as as a group? Uh, I, I, my opinion is they were marginally better than they were last year, uh, but not. I don't think there were any real breakout hits that we're going to remember ten years from now. Um, they were a, a little mediocre. It, you know what? It, it's interesting because uh, I think nostalgia seemingly was one of the themes. Uh, that we saw in some of these ads, uh, Chevy with the EV Silverado going uh, with the Sopranos throwback, General Motors with the Austin Powers cast in there. So they were trying to, uh, you know, go back in time a little bit. Absolutely. You know, nostalgia is a common theme in Super Bowl ads in general. It brings together people of all ages, right? So this is something that appeals to everyone. But especially in times of uncertainty, when people are dealing with a lot of stress, nostalgia is often just a place of comfort. Um, in the pandemic, nostalgia has been super important. So I'm not surprised there were a lot of nostalgic ads in the Super Bowl this year. And, and obviously humor plays a big role in this as well. Uh, Larry David, in the ad that he did for uh, the crypto platform FTX, he really was Larry David in kind of what we see in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm and obviously what we knew from the days of Seinfeld. But Eugene Levy as well in, in the Nissan ad with the stars of the Avengers. So that humor really plays a big role as well. It's, uh, it's uh, also a sort of standard in the Super Bowl, right? People are trying to get the biggest laugh, trying to um, draw you with that humor. This is the one day, um, you know, of the whole year when people are – looking to to watch the ads as much as they're looking to watch the programming and they're often looking for a good joke to land or for something to make them feel you know um, happy feel lighthearted. and i think all of those ads delivered the other thing i would say is that you know every ad you've talked about so far has been about a celebrity actually being in the ad so i i read a statistic this morning something like 87 percent of the super bowl ads featured at least one celebrity and of course many featured five or ten celebrities so definitely leveraging the audience, the sort of um, you know comfort and familiarity that the um, the audience brings to these celebrities. I mentioned this last week, and to get your thoughts on it as well, that there are certain celebrities out there right now that seemingly are, are doing you know, they they are the go to right now. And I'm thinking the Mannings, uh, you know Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, even uh, the the dad as well are, are a go to. Matthew McConaughey is seemingly a go-to. Eugene Levy. I mean, these are people that really seem to to get the call when uh, when you're uh, talking about pitching a uh, uh, pitching a, a brand. Yeah, I totally agree. The Mannings were everywhere, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe every single ad I, I watched, I seemed to find one of them. I think that's absolutely true. And you saw other brands kind of return to. Um, other celebrities that have performed really well in the past um, in, in, in the Super Bowl. So, for example, 
um, you know, the, the rocket mortgage ad and returning back to, um, you know, the, the star there who has, uh, Anna Kendrick, who's been in a number of very successful um, Super Bowl ads in the past. She just has a, you know, sort of Super Bowl sweet spot in many ways. I guess going to stars, though, doesn't always, and I'm, I'm leading you here in a, in a specific way here, that you don't have to be human to be a star because Budweiser goes back to the Clydesdales and the puppy as well. And, and that was yeah. really a winner for Budweiser a few years ago. And, and I want to get your thoughts on how you thought that went. Yeah, you know, I think they are, you know, Budweiser celebrities, right? They have this place in the the Budweiser constellation of advertising and Super Bowl ads, and they really have often played to sort of heartwarming, um, you know, um, appealing kinds of, of themes that people have really loved. They've humanized the, the Clydesdale and, and the puppy. And so it was nice to see Budweiser back after not having been there for a while and nice to see them return back to those themes. My own sense is that while their ambition was pretty grand in that ad, right, to sort of speak to resilience in in, a, in America and, and a sense of hopefulness, um, the ad itself, I thought, didn't play very well. It, it was so quick that there wasn't a lot of time to build that kind of empathy and that bond with those characters that we're used to doing. Um, I was just trying to figure out kind of what was happening the whole time. I don't know about you. What do you think of it? Well, I, I agree with you on that, and, and it builds me to another question: Is that you know we focus so much on the 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 ad occurring in the game, we now know that like the week leading up or two weeks leading up is kind of an important time for some of these advertisers as well. And so I'm wondering if your thoughts on on the build up ad. I mean, we've seen companies do teasers uh, to these ads, or the week or two after the game, you've kind of introduced the ad. How important is that follow-up after you kind of, you know, have that initial message? You know, I think the the best ads are ones that are part of a, a bigger and longer term campaign. You're spending, you know, $7 million for 30 seconds here. It's hard to get enough return from that one 30 second instance to really make the ad pay off for your business. Um, or even just, you know, in terms of uh, attention that you might be getting. So I think, as you said, more and more of the ads are actually releasing um, either the full ad or some sort of a teaser trying to, to provoke interest and trying to grab some extra attention, maybe a little bit of media play so that they get um, some free media on top of the $7 million they've already spent. And there are a bunch of other... Um, you know, advertisers who are saying you know, their ad is going to be part of a, a longer-term campaign. For example, you know, the, the Pringles campaign, I don't know what you thought about that one, hashtag Pringles can hand. Um, but they're yes. saying they have a 90-second version of the ad, which they cut down to 30 seconds, and, you know, they're going to get us to watch over the next couple of weeks to try to unfold the rest of that content. Yeah, I, that, that Pringles one didn't really hit home with me uh, that what, that much. <laughs> You know that one. Um, I, I, that one was a little bit, little bit hard to, for me to, to to dig into. Let me touch on because we talked about you know the celebrity and kind of the the lighthearted message. There were a couple of companies that uh, you know didn't go that route. Uh, thinking about Google uh, with the ad uh, focused on a technology, uh, looking at taking pictures of people with darker skin tones. And also the first ad out of the gate, which was Toyota, which was kind of telling the story uh, of these two young individuals uh, growing up and, and, you know, being best friends and such. So it, it's, it's a dynamic on how you, how you really bring that message forward. 
Um, I personally really loved the Google ad. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure around the advertisers this year in the Super Bowl to really speak to diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, um, whether it was in casting or in directing behind the camera or something along those lines. And, you know, maybe there were um, a few more um, faces of color in the ads, but it wasn't really uh, a strong point, I don't think, overall. But that ad really, I think, did. It wasn't performative in its, uh, you know, desire to address DEI issues. It really addressed a meaningful issue, um, really showed its technology, I think, um, doing well in a, in a place that um, really matters. And so I really liked the Google ad. The Toyota ad, um, I have really mixed feelings about. It's been in the Olympics, and of course, it really resonates in that particular um, setting. I think it's a beautiful ad. The story of those brothers is really inspiring. You can't help but feel a sense of awe about what they've been able yeah. to accomplish. But I don't really get how it relates back to Toyota. Um, it's a beautiful ad. It's a beautiful story. What does it do for Toyota? And what is it telling me Toyota can do for me? I'm not really sure I get that sense. Um, so to me, it felt a little bit disconnected um, from the Super Bowl's opportunity for Toyota. Is that the challenge, especially for a company like Toyota, when they are such a, a brand partner with a big event like the Olympics, is to you know, deliver different messages at, for different events? Uh, because certainly I think the, the dynamic, while they're both sports, the dynamic of the Olympics and the dynamic of the Super Bowl really probably bring different feelings forward really different, I think, right? And, you know, they had another ad, right? They had Toyota keeping up with the Joneses, which I think maybe was um, much more centered around the, the cars themselves, around Toyota's products and kind of showing them in every scene, even while they're sort of leveraging humor and, and celebrity and all of those sorts of things. To me, that felt like a better Super Bowl ad, um, even though, um, of course, I absolutely love um, the story of those two brothers and the Paralympic um, performance they've had. Was there one or two ads that really caught your attention the, the, the most that, that really resonated with you? Well, so I've been reading a bunch of things this morning. I thought that Coinbase ad with the QR code kind of bouncing around the screen like it was Pong, that yeah. seemed like a crazy ad to me. Um, and yeah. it's showing up in last place on the USA Today ad meter, but Ad Week has ranked it number one, um, saying it was just incredibly simple, um, how many people could um, sort of avoid scanning that QR code? Did people actually do it? I'll be looking for that kind of data. Did it actually get you to open their website? Um, that's an interesting sort of polarizing one. Um, and I think people would either be rather be at the sort of top or the bottom of that ad meter scale rather than kind of stuck in the middle. Um, I also love the Amazon one, um, you know, with Scarlett Johansson um, and Colin Jost. The ads themselves, I think, are they're very charming. The ad itself sort of shows you the effectiveness of Alexa. It's a little bit creepy at the same time. Like, do I love the yes. idea that Alexa might be reading my mind? That seems a little bothersome. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you finally, because I, I saw an article today that was talking about just in general how brands are impacted by the game. And they also mentioned Nike uh, and Pepsi. Uh, and also Bose, because those are three companies that are actually tied to the game, Nike being the uniform supplier for the league, Pepsi obviously with the with the halftime show, and uh, Bose with the headphones of the coaches about you know the presence that they get 
uh, of being in and around the entirety of the game, not necessarily being in one of the ads, but the impact they get from being in that game for that entire, you know, three, four hours. Sponsorships like that are incredibly powerful, right? And you see those brands um, in very central places in the game, right? They're not just a, a little ad on the on the um, you know the screen somewhere or in the stadium somewhere. They're really fundamental to the performance that's actually happening in front of us. And so I think that really helps to say something not only about how visible they are, but about what kind of performance you might be able to expect, about their relevance to people who are performing at this very high level in their sport. Um, I'd love to know more about what those kinds of things cost. Um, they don't always release those things in the same way they do the Super Bowl ad costs. Um, but I think really just a, a really clever way to get themselves kind of at the center of, of the performance itself. And this year, you know, people really raving about the, the Super Bowl halftime show. So I think Pepsi really benefiting yeah. from that. Yeah, the fact that it was a good show, it went off well, it was received well, really drew a lot of positive a positive press from that. Hey, Patty, great to talk with you as always. Thanks very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Patty Williams, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.